Welcome and thank you for joining us. At Worship Harvest, we believe that we are a movement of the gospel, discipleship, and mission. And we are committed to catalyzing spiritual, social, and economic renewal in our immediate communities. And as a result, the world. Here is this week's teaching. Good morning. My name is Pastor... <laughs> Good morning. Good to see you. Please have your seats. <laughs> you know, um, Thank you so much, Apmo, for this opportunity, really. Um, we got, I got to meet Apmo about 2018, but I just asked him for his number and stopped there and did nothing. And until, I think, 2020, when we uh, got in touch again. And... He took a risk on me because the second time I met him, I took over his class and taught his class. But he didn't know, <laughs> he didn't know me at all. It was just a second time uh, meet. Then he took a chance on me again when some tabloid wrote something about me. But... Uh, Thank you so much for believing in me and for being my sponsor. I used not to like public speaking at all. <laughs> and in fact, any, any, any request for me to be interviewed would be answered with a no. A flat no. So, seeing that I'm here now is a miracle. <laughs> so, I thought to myself, um, living on mission every day. And I said, I could talk about, start with why. I could talk about Parenting. There's a book by Andy Stanley about parenting. I could talk about five levels of marketing. I could talk about five product levels. I could talk about the Toyota production system. I could talk about seven S's of West. Okay? I can talk about um, <laughs> CEO excellence. I could talk about um, productivity. I could talk about how you move teams and create teams of teams. Or I could even talk about conflict and how you resolve conflict. But today, <laughs> as we move in our lives and as we make impact, there are issues that take out 
business people. And they limit your growth. If you do not plan how you will not do certain things, they will really take you out. Yep. If you do not plan to stay married, <laughs> or if you do not know how you can lose your marriage, then you will have a problem. There are lyrics I'm not going to sing. <laughs> but you could tell or you'll help me. And in the morning, when I kiss his eyes, he takes me down and rocks me slow. And in the evening, when the moon is high, he holds me close and won't let up. You know that. <laughs> so, um, if I could have my first slide, please. There is a gentleman called Tony Shea. Tony Shea started a company called Zappos. Zappos is the template for customer care. He wrote a book called Delivering Happiness. How many of you have read it? Okay. <laughs> it's a very good book. <laughs> but Tony Shea built the template for customer service. Actually, many people copy Zappos' um, uh, principles. And Tony Shea went ahead and sold that company to Amazon for $1.2 billion. That's billion with a B. And <laughs> dollars, not UGX. Okay? Then the next slide has, who can identify that person? <laughs> I knew the name was there. <laughs> so I just wanted to see who is attentive. And indeed, that's one of the songs that Whitney Houston sang. But Whitney was really, how many of you, I may be talking to a different generation, how many of you have an idea who Whitney Houston is? Ah, okay. <laughs> I just wanted to confirm. So, what is the commonality between these two? Between Whitney and Tony Shea? The commonality is that they died. <laughs> but they died of a drug overdose. I'm going to talk about drugs. If you freaked out, sorry. <laughs> but on the whole and on the larger scale, what drugs do to you when you ingest them? 
and what happens to your body and why you shouldn't do them at all. There is something there is something you are told but which is false but can be close to the truth and yet far from the truth. How many of you know the oldest car in the world? Ford? No. Which one? Me? <laughs> Tsubishi. <laughs> the horse. Interesting. You know the Bible has everything. And so... Hmm? A what? A Honda. Correct. Pastor, e Pastor Emma, you get it right. Next slide, please. The Honda is the oldest car in the world. Now, on the left-hand side is a verse which reads that when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord. Okay. And on the right-hand right side, when the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one Honda Accord. <laughs> so the Accord was already there in the, in the Bible. But the point I'm making is this, that you can be in the audience and someone says something and you hear something different. And this is the issue that we actually have. How many of you know that Bin Laden is in the Bible? <laughs> Matthew chapter 11 verse 28. <laughs> Come all of you who are heavy, laden. <laughs> Not so. <laughs> but um, let's seriously begin. Now, jo jokes, jokes aside. <laughs> so. There's a story that is, uh, next slide. Just read that story. And it's a story that breaks people's hearts. When you read it, someone didn't know that <coughs> these drugs could lead them to a destination they didn't actually want to go to. And they tried to get rid of the drugs and they couldn't. Not because they didn't want, but they couldn't. And I'm sure many of you seated on this, in, the, in the chairs have relatives or have been using or are using. <laughs> uh, 
have more ads are planning to use. <laughs> they are, they are, they, there is a study that was carried in Uganda, and I want to put it in context that this is Ugandan, which will, I'll show you in the, next, um, in the next slide. So these are all Ugandan studies, nothing foreign. That a, a high proportion of clients, 36%, use these drugs. By the way, when I talk about drugs, I also mean alcohol. You may, you may, I, I'm not sparing you if you use alcohol. But they do start due to peer pressure. I want to ask, but let me not, but let me ask. <laughs> How many of, <laughs> I already see a hand up. How many of you have succumbed to peer pressure and tested? Uh, it's okay. This is church. Uh-huh. Apostle, don't look behind. <laughs> <laughs> you may see your entire pastoral team. <laughs> By Monday morning, they may have no job. So, real. <laughs> Next slide. But it is not only that. Apart from peer pressure, these 91% have a primary drug. That means there are around six drugs, but they use one, <coughs> which is their primary, every single day. Every single day. That means they are faithfully inhaling, they are faith faithfully sipping, they are faithfully whatever they are doing with it. But every single day. When we look at the next slide, which is still Uganda, the issue is that their first drug is Enjaga. You, you know, you have heard of Enjaga? Yes. Cannabis. And that is their first drug that they are using. And where is the hope and what do we do, therefore? Let's look at the next slide. So there are many options, but then uh, one of them. 87% of their clients who are in rehabilitation at the moment, were anywhere between 20, around 20 and above. As a parent, you have raised your child reasonably, up to about 20, and they have had no issue. It is later that a problem really emerges, and how do we deal with this problem? Next slide, please. Let's define a few things. Because we could talk about addiction, and then I ask you, what is addiction? How do you know you're addicted? Or how do you know you have a problem? One, addiction is simply a loss of control. You can't make a rational decision to not do something. You've lost control. Okay? There are terms I'll define. S-U-D and A-U-D. S-U-D is substance use disorder. And definitely A-U-D would be alcohol use disorder. 
Now, the fact that it is a disorder means that there can be an order. It is a disorder. That means that it's just wrongly aligned. But it can be orderized, if I may put it that way. Don't quote me on orderized. It is just a word that I have coined. There is a difference between substance abuse and substance misuse. And you may hear substance abuse, substance misuse, and use them interchangeably. I remember I went for an interview uh, when I wanted to join the, the, the civil service. Hey, I wanted to be a civil servant. <laughs> and the first question they asked me, what is drug abuse? Yeah. And I answered. And they asked me, what is drug misuse? I gave them the same answer. <laughs> so they will choose which one falls where. But I will get at least half. <laughs> I just gave them the same answer for drug abuse and drug misuse. But today, let me help you not to make my mistake. So, when you have alcohol and you take it in certain large amounts, you are abusing the drug. Alcohol, by the way, is a drug. When you get fuel, you've seen people sniff fuel, then it's misuse. It was not the intended purpose. Okay. So there are certain chemicals that are supposed to do something different, and then you use them to solve your problem. In that case, that's a, a misuse. The other one is abuse. So I've said that it's a disease because there is no ease. Okay. When <laughs> you see disease is is this is. So when there is no ease, it's a disease, which is a disease. Some of you think disease has Z in it. It doesn't. <laughs> but I also want to add one, one thing. It's a family disease. Why do I say it's a family disease? Addiction stops being your personal thing, doing it your way. Everyone in your family gets affected whether they want it or not. <laughs> they are conscripted along and brought along on that journey. You will be told your sister has been arrested. She's at Chibuye police station. We need to go and rescue her. You can say whatever you want to say. After you've come down, you will go and get your sister. Alright? If your brother goes to a bar and beats up everyone there, 
breaks the glasses, they will calculate a bill and it will be posted on the family WhatsApp group. You can say so many words and then your mother will call you <laughs> and say, you, you came from the same stomach. <laughs> I know kids don't come from the stomach, of course, but literally that's what your mother will tell you. Then you say, okay, by end of day, I will send that money. So that's what we mean that it's a family disease. It is not something personal. It's not something private. Even if your intentions were to make it actually personal and private. Next slide. There is a guy called Elder Hillel. And Elder Hillel came up with this. He said, if not me, who? If not now, when? Someone has to come up and talk about this. Even with the discomfort that you feel. But who is that? You. When? Now. <laughs> so, let's move on this journey of addiction. And smile, please. Don't look at me without smiling. <laughs> Next slide. <laughs> so, those are just uh, different research that was, discovered, was done in Uganda to show that in Africa, Uganda leads number one in alcohol consumption with an annual consumption of 12.21 pure, pure alcohol. Now, you know many big bottles yeah are uh, 750 mils and have 40 percent but by the end of the year the average ugandan would have uh taken 12.2 and this is 2023 it's 2023 so it is not um some long ago thing we still top everyone else Next slide, please. <laughs> there is a guy, he's called Gabo Mati. Gabo is a leading researcher on addiction. But he says that not why the addiction, but why the pain. The person who is addicted has some pain. And we look at the, where the pain is coming from uh, in the next few minutes. But it is pain. Next slide, please. And then, <clears throat> there are people who say, I am addicted to my work. No, 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 no. Passion creates, addiction consumes. So, do not mix up the two and then wrongly use the word addiction anyhow, anywhere, to mean you really deeply love something. Next slide. Or oh, oh, someone. <laughs> Now, we'll move a little bit slower here. If you didn't do sciences, don't freak out. Yeah? But welcome aboard. So that's the picture of the brain. No problem with the brain. But that is what it is. Normally, it has two 
spheres. You can get your fists and put them together like this, and that's your brain. Yeah. It has two spheres uh, that we look at. Next slide. Now, whatever you take, whatever you smoke, whatever you drink, whatever experience you get actually has an effect on your brain. And there is something called dopamine. It's a chemical that is released in most cases. And I'm going to explain the brain from three different angles. Simple. I won't make it any more complicated than what I've already said. So, when you've not had your phone the whole day, <laughs> let's just say, for instance, that you didn't have your phone the whole day, and finally you get it. That feel is a dopamine hit. So the chemical that is released in your body is dopamine. Are we clear? And so it is a good, a feel good hormone. Next slide. So that is the, so the, the one part of the brain we look at is called the basal ganglia. It won't get complicated, don't worry. So don't sign out yet. <laughs> You're with me? Uh-huh. Now, <clears throat> the basal ganglia is used really to learn. You learn new habits using the basal ganglia. But it really touches also the reward system. So if I say, anyone who answers this question, I'll give you a million shillings. Uh, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> you guys want money early morning. <laughs> so the basal ganglia is then activated. All right? Now, what then happens is that the, the drugs scale back the ability for you to be able to be, to react the way I've told you. Like, I'm going to give you a million shillings. That reaction, it will be eroded. Next slide. Now, <clears throat> There, there are two other parts of the brain that I'm going to explain. So we've now dealt with the basal ganglia. Uh-huh. Then you have the extended amygdala. Or just call it the amygdala. <laughs> By the time you live here, you will know. Now, this is the seat of your emotions and it taps into the memories and learning that you have had in the past as simple as that then you have the prefrontal cortex this is the limit I 
Nothing more complicated than this. Now, this is where reason comes in. Should I do this? Should I not? No, I shouldn't. I should, I should start saving. I should start, I shouldn't go out. I shouldn't do this. Someone has invited me. I shouldn't go. I shouldn't reply that email. I shouldn't reply that text. Now, that's where the intelligence of the person really lies. To make the rational decision. Next slide, please. Now, when you take a drug, you have a huge dopamine rush released in your body. Huge. I'm going to explain how huge it is. But it's so huge. And when stress comes, you have to move like the opposite of the excitement. And you are unable to move back to where you were. So let me explain it this way. Just imagine this is your brain, right? It was. So when you take the drug, the basal ganglia, which we already explained, right? The amygdala, which we have explained, the prefrontal cortex, which we have explained, will expand and move and be bigger. You're with me? When it grows bigger, because the reward was so big, it is extended. Now, when the reward is not there, it tries to contract and it cannot contract without causing pain. So it gets very painful to go back to where it was pre-exposure. Are you with me? So these three chambers of your brain are overextended and the way they want to go back to where they were causes pain. And the only way you can deal with that pain is by taking more drugs. And hence, the addiction. You rationally want to live. But you cannot live. Because the journey to go back to where you were is so painful. Extremely painful. That when you are taking your subsequent dose, it ceases to be a dose that will give you a high. It becomes a dose that will take away the pain. So the high has already gone away and you no longer get to be the most high. <laughs> Are you getting me? So <clears throat> when you find people who have a problem with addiction, it is not that they don't want to be sober. It is they are in a bind and the ingestion of more liquid or more smoke is not so that they go back and have 
another high. It is just to take away the pain. I, are we together? So sometimes we tell them that you, you always want to get high. Or the person doesn't actually want to get high. The issues of getting high were kissed goodbye and they are no longer getting high. They are just in so much pain that the pain has to be dealt with or drowned. You get it? Good. Next slide, please. <clears throat> so, the distress, that's what, this is what I've been explaining. Uh, next slide. The person no longer takes the substance to get high, but instead to avoid feeling low. And whenever they try to move away from the substance, the pain comes back and they go back. Now, as they do that over and over, because the body, your body can only produce so much dopamine, the body stops producing dopamine. And the, yes, and the drug now produces the dopamine. Because the drug produces much more than the body. And all the pleasures that you may have will come from the taking the drug. Now, let me first uh, add something that is not in my presentation. Sometimes the other lie is this. Addiction doesn't come alone. You don't just get addicted to one thing. You get addicted to more than one thing. Why, how does this happen? The dopamine heat you get from substance A no longer gives you the heat that you had. So you add another substance to get now a new high. Now, the lie is, I do not take marijuana. I take alcohol. Or, what I've done, by the way, these days I have reduced my alcohol intake. But it is compensated for by the marijuana. Or, the marijuana is down and the alcohol intake is now up. The lie is that you're fully in control and you know what you are doing. And by the way, this whole week we have not used anything. You understand? But it comes back to actually bite you because the body is no longer making its own dopamine. Now, other priorities fall apart. Remember we said the prefrontal cortex is the one that helps you make rational decisions and say, hey, I need to save up some money for school fees. I need to pay rent. Now remember, it has been disorganized. So when you ask the guy for rent, the guy just laughs at you and walks out. Because the functionality has been distorted. Are you getting me? <laughs> that is why I was explaining to you the basoganglia, the amygdala, and the prefrontal cortex. Because each of these plays a whole different role. And if they are all out of place, then the person cannot be relied on to make the rational decision that you are hoping they would make or that you're relying on them to 
make. Next slide, please. So, apart from dopamine, which I've talked about, there's another chemical called serotonin. You've heard of it? <laughs> right now. Okay. Good. <laughs> so, serotonin is a bonding hormone. It's what helps you bond together. Okay? It is what makes the guys, after they've taken the thing, lie down so calmly and sleep. <laughs> they, they just like black out. They can black out maybe and wake up on Monday. You understand? Now, to help you understand or to help you understand what serotonin does, I'm going to be a little bit X-rated. When uh, I don't ah, <laughs> you're in class. When you have sex, and after you've had sex, the thing that makes you hold your spouse and doze off. <laughs> Amen. Look at me. <laughs> and doze off. Some of you even doze off before you hold. <laughs> hey, 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 hey. Don't point fingers. <laughs> It is, it is serotonin. But you now have small quantities. Imagine that small dose makes you black out. And you don't remember anything that happened after that. <laughs> Pastor Emma, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> so... <laughs> That's what serotonin does. It's a good hormone, by the way. It's not supposed to be a bad one. It's good. The next one, please. Then we have epinephrine. Epinephrine is the fight or flight. If they say there's a fire, you take off. That kind of thing that is activated within your body. Now, this is released in a person taking drugs. And what do they do? It makes them get very daring. You've heard your brother say he will kill your mother. I'm like, what? I will go out and kill him. Now, you're also not any different from the other one. If he touches my arm, me, I'm also killing him. But this makes people do very daring acts. They can all of a sudden say, I can jump from here. Doom. <laughs> and they jump from, a, a, you know, two stories. Because at that moment, they don't see anything that can hinder them from jumping. Okay? Next, please. Now, 
That's why I'm saying that substance abuse is a family disease. But there's also research now to show that substance use disorder can often run in families. Let me go with caution here. If you have issues of alcohol or drug abuse in your family, then you need to watch yourself. Because you're more prone. Secular research has actually shown that when you take drugs, they, are, they produce a mark on your gene which you can easily pass on to your children. Now, this is purely, completely uh, secular research. They lie that you will take it and it only affects you is purely a lie. So, when you ingest these drugs, they're not just affecting you, they're affecting your children. If you do not have children yet, the ones that you will have. So my word goes out to maybe say a 23-year-old who has not yet even had children, but thinks by indulging in these, they're doing it for their own good or for it's only kept themselves. No baby, it won't be kept by, <laughs> by you. It will be passed on to your children. To the extent that you say you love your children and you love to have children, then it's something that you should consider, you should really reconsider. <clears throat> Just hold before you A. <laughs> when, when you have an orgasm, not an organism. <laughs> <laughs> hold, hold, hold You guys My time is going When <laughs> When you have an orgasm It's a good feeling It's a good feeling I tried to When I was making this powerpoint uh, my, my, my laptop Top could only give me size eight for you know size eight. It couldn't give me size one. So there's no way I could I could reproduce 21 times. But the dopamine hit you get is 21 times what you get when you have an orgasm. Allah. So the thing is. By the time you have one orgasm and blackout, now imagine having 21 of them. Okay? <laughs> now, now, let me explain again. 20, it is 21x. <laughs> you can't imagine, you can't even absorb it in your head. Consequently, with drug abuse, you then are not interested in sex. Why? Because you'll give me a 20, 21th. 
<laughs> you understand? I will only get one out of 21. So why don't I go, ingest my thing, get my, my 21 times, and my wife can remain, <laughs> can remain the way she is. So the, the spouses that have spouse, the people who have spouses who are affected by this, they'll notice that even if you stood there naked, stuck naked, even if you squatted, the person is not interested. <laughs> Next slide. What, what's, <laughs> what? What? what's wrong with you guys? <laughs> I have 14 minutes. My time is going. So, <laughs> Pastor Noah, please. <laughs> First decide. I need to continue. Okay. <laughs> so, wait. I need to land this. I, I need to begin landing this plane. There is, there is a gentleman called. Hey. <laughs> There's a gentleman called uh, James Clear. He's written a book called Atomic Habits. And in that, he talks about the habit loop. The habit loop really is a cue, a craving, a response, and a reward. And that's how all habits are formed. So once you get the cue, whatever the cue is, avoid it. Because the next thing would be the craving. And then the next thing would be the response. And then you'll get the reward. So in breaking the habit, take note of your cues. Technically, they are called triggers. And I'll, I'll, I'll name some of them uh, shortly. Next slide, please. Uh, and those are the laws of behavior, but just rush through them. Next slide, please. Now, this is where the whole thing is. How do I feel? Remember, it's a response to what they feel. And when, how do you react when you feel, say, disappointed or excited? We say that it is an emotional disease, but it's not a disease of emotions. It's an emotional disease. That means it comes from the emotions. But not every emotion is acceptable. Yeah. So we understand that your emotions need to be repaired, but do not use it against us by saying, saying accept me, or this is who I am. This is, that's not how God made you. So you learn to express your emotions appropriately. And many times they say that everything historical is historical. <laughs> That we are seeing you here. You're this way, this way, this way, this way, because of the history that you have. Whatever historical, historical experience you're showing us is really historical. Next slide, slide please. So, 
So the way forward, of course, there is something called cognitive uh, restructuring, just being able to reconstruct your way of seeing stress and how to break it down and digest it and not really react in a bad uh, way. And how, they, 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 I want to dwell more on the HALT. The HALT really is the triggers. Hunger. Hunger is such a trigger that it can make you do so many things. Or, many times actually, you're stressed and then you just eat continuously, eat. The other one is anger. What makes you angry? And no one makes you angry. That in conflict resolution, even that alone, you have qualified to handle conflict. That no one has the capacity to actually make you angry. Anger is just your own inability to process emotion. I cannot make you angry. <laughs> if I say you're a fool, how, uh, that's, you can even say that's your problem and you move on. You can decide to take it to heart and say that guy called me a fool and forever I'm going to climb crystal towers and jump over. That would be your own problem. Loneliness. Some people actually say that addiction is a loss of connection. That you fail to connect with people and you connect with a substance. So in many cases, you see people withdraw and do things their own way. In their bedroom, in their closet or wherever they find uh, comfort. Tired. Now, this is where entrepreneurs come in. What do you do when you're tired? And tiredness can cause you to crave for now a new hit. Because you've accomplished whatever you've done, especially high achievers, you've accomplished whatever you've done, and now you're tired. Now you look for a new way of experiencing a new high. Sometimes, because you're tired, you can indulge in so many things. By the way, if time allows, uh, next slide please, I can talk about porn. <laughs> now, let me explain by the way, when, when I talk like this, I'm also, I'm also, so this is substance abuse, substance use disorders, SUDs. But then there are behavioral disorders as well. That's why we have gambling, and by the way, gambling is high on the Ugandan market. When you see those betting shops, don't think that they are innocent, they are producing gambling addicts. Uh, you have you know, porn addicts as well. It's a behavior. So, the drama triangle, how many of you have seen the drama triangle before? Okay, a few of you. I'm going to explain the drama, drama, drama triangle. 
in every conflict, there is a persecutor, a rescuer, and a victim. And look at your just last conflict, or this morning's conflict. <laughs> you will see that <laughs> the person normally will play victim. And what happens? You come in and you play the persecutor role. And you say, you, Tom, where have you been? What have you been doing? I know what you have been up to. Then they'll play the victim role. The victim role will be, I know you don't like me. I know because I'm your stepbrother. Okay, this is why you treat me like this. And there will be a rescuer. Your mother will say, <laughs> now, how can you treat your own blood like that? And many times, when the rescuer comes in, these, these positions are very fluid. The victim takes the persecutor position now. Now, the victim starts saying, I want to be now paid. For, for no one celebrated my graduation. Everyone else's party was hard, except me. Now, then the rescuer becomes a victim. Now, your mother then says, you know what? We're sorry, we didn't celebrate your graduation party. <laughs> and then, you become the rescuer. <laughs> now, the conflict or the conversation goes on like that, interplaying between persecutor, rescuer, victim, and the players, you, your mother or your family, and the patient keep playing different roles at any one time. And once they come in as a victim, you ready? Going to be a persecutor. Say, what kind of person are you? Don't, you don't even appreciate. I paid fees for you for 17 years. You know, and that kind of thing. So the drama triangle is very interesting in conflict and conflict uh, resolution. So I want to wrap this up. It's really a game of dopamine and how you work with dopamine and what really happens to your body when you are unable to control the dopamine intake that you are having. The, the gambling, the promise of a reward gives you that dopamine anticipation. You know anticipation can keep you going. Yeah. If your spouse lives abroad and comes back next week, that anticipation can keep you going until they show up. <laughs> You've not got it. But <laughs> next slide, please. <laughs> you see, the anticipation keeps you going than a lack of information. So when there's no communication, there's no anticipation, and therefore you build 
you play, you go back to the drama triangle and you become the now the victim. You, you, ever since you went abroad there to study, you left us here in Uganda, we are here alone, and me and the babies, and we are only here. <laughs> that kind of thing. So, <laughs> what do we do? But before we go here, let me in one minute talk about porn. Mm. You see, when, when you have sex, like I've told you, you produce dopamine, and then you produce serotonin. There are others that are, but I'm going to dwell on these two, largely. And the serotonin is very helpful because it makes you grow closer and remove boundaries from you and your spouse. Now, one thing, maybe two things about porn. Porn is a lack of self-control. Because really what you're doing, if you want to have sex now, you should be able to say, hey, I'll wait until. But for you, when you want to have sex now, you can have. At midday, you can have. At two, you can have. In, <laughs> in there is the problem. You cannot have sex whenever, wherever you want and feel like. You understand? Now, the other problem is this. When you look at porn on a screen, yes, it will produce dopamine, but there will not be serotonin. There is no one to hug and hold. There is no one even to promise things to. You understand? There's no one to give crescent towers. There's no one to give, you know, charm towers and everything. <laughs> listen. <laughs> you listen. I need to wind up. I have one and a half minutes. You understand? So, you know, it is the part where you're most generous. You can give and give what doesn't belong to you. And say, so you see, the express highway, I've given it to you. <laughs> there will be no road toll for you. <laughs> you sit, 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 sit. I need to wind up. I need to wind down. Now, listen. So, when, when that circuit is not complete, you come back for a bigger dig of dopamine. Because there is no one to give, there is no one to promise anything to. Uh, you come back and look for a, a, a hardcore porn. That's why you now become um, it becomes worse and worse by that day. And hey, they have added me some minutes. Hey! <laughs> now, that's dopamine. <laughs> <laughs> 
So, listen, listen. Let's land this plane. We are landing the plane. So, it is, God made it in such a way that you're supposed to bond and there's supposed to be a reasonable dopamine that's produced. That then you get serotonin in resolution and then you bond and you forgive each other. Yes. <laughs> and all sins are wiped away. <laughs> now, you, you guys, listen. <laughs> but, but, the danger, the danger with porn is that there's no one to forgive. So, the beef you had in the morning, or the misunderstanding you had in the morning, is carried forward in the evening. Because the person you experienced, but they did not experience. And what is supposed to happen is there's supposed to be a mutual exchange of not just fluids, but forgiveness and emotions. Okay, I, over, I, over, I think I overreacted. You have time to reflect and now say, I overreacted. That was really no issue. What issue are you talking? Me, I didn't have any issue. Aha. Uh -huh. Who? What are you talking about? Uh, who? <laughs> you get it? I have said that the dangers are one, you cannot have sex wherever, whenever you want to have. So when you are having wherever, wherever, with whoever, then there is a problem. Two, there has to be a, a circuit that is complete, a resolution, a forgiveness, a, re, a restart of life. So tomorrow we wake up and suppose uh, you say you wanted money for hair. Eh. And everything begins afresh. Okay? So, there are a few things we can do. <laughs> My slide, please. One, admit there's a problem. If you are in this place today and you are using or you are tempted to use because there is a whole series of steps. So you, you first uh, um, intellectually, emotionally, you first default emotionally before you actually use. But accept there is a problem. Then reflect on your addiction. Where has it taken you so far? And how helpful has it been? They are, they, 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 a, they, it's very embarrassing to meet a haji who is an alcohol addict. Where has that taken him? The religion itself doesn't allow even to test. But now he's even an addict. Seek professional support and pray. But you also have to appreciate the benefits of sobriety. If you can, please remain sober. And there is no benefit in trying, taking, attempting. Even the whole idea of 
envying the people and saying maybe those those are having a nice life, a better life, is not a good thing. But identify your triggers and be open to someone and say, this is how I'm feeling. I don't want to pass. There are places I shouldn't pass. When you're driving, don't drive past, speak, 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 speak road. Or there's a bar near Nigeria. You can use the express highway and then reach home. <laughs> buy more fuel, at least than buy the other thing. Change, <laughs> change your environment. You know, this environment thing is really in the book Atomic Habits. How many of you have read Atomic Habits? You should. Just maybe a sidebar. James Clear wrote that book. And ever since he, sold, he, he wrote it, he's been selling a book every 15 seconds. A copy is sold. Very good book. But he talks about changing your environment. And let me explain what change of environment means. If I come to your home, what does your home look like? Your home is perfectly organized not to have any meaningful activity there. Why? When you enter many of your homes, the first thing I see is a TV and a cabin of glasses. That means that the thing that is, and the most comfortable chair is facing the TV. So how can anything useful be constructed in that environment? The, me, the subliminal message being sent is that here we honor food and drinks and entertainment. So already your home has been designed not to do things that are productive. Then see a way of arranging your home in a way that is productive. Research has been carried. And any home that is worth $500,000 and above has a library. If your home has no library, I know it is below. <laughs> there is no chance. <laughs> whether one causes the other or is an effect, I don't know. Whether the, the people who have a lot of money value books or people who have books end up building uh, a big home, that's a whole different thing. Uh, but change your environment. The other thing is exercise. Have a regular exercise regimen. If you are above 25, if, how old do you think I am? Above 45. Yeah. I, uh, Pastor Lincoln yesterday was saying he's 60, 60. Like, hey, one day I'll be 60. I am 52. Clap for me. <laughs> I'm sure few people are above 52 in this. Yeah. If we're saying only people above 50 are going to heaven, many of you would remain. <laughs> we would go with Pastor Lincoln only. <laughs> and maybe Pastor Eb. <laughs> yeah. But exercise is actually a very quick hack. For highly productive people, aid-driven, you should have an exercise regimen incorporated in your day-to-day -day life. One, exercise helps saturation 
of blood. And so the chances of you having an erection increases. Otherwise, with time, everything stops at half past six. <laughs> now, You know half past six, everything is downward. The short and the long are both. Now, where am I? Exercise. Because, Pastor Chris, sit. <laughs> Exercise. Exercise. Apart from it uh, have helping you really decompress and rethink and have time to reflect. It also helps in circulation. And every part of the body needs circulation. And if you don't exercise, then there will be problems. Uh, you'll need uh, up more to lay hands on you to resurrect the dead. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much. for listening to this teaching. We hope that you've been blessed by the Worship Harvest Sermon Series. For more teachings and other resources, visit www.worshipharvest.org or call 0393-281-555. That is 0393-281-555.